the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 66. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning, Tammy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's always morning when we chat. It is. That's, uh, that was that. It's the best time that you would want to schedule a chat with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, same here. Like, well, it's the time we have quiet, and like, I think like Grady's still in bed, my son and my husband. Um, it's like seven ish here in California, but um, same at your house. Is it quiet? Are the kids still in bed? Or oh, uh, the teenager is. Um, but no, my little my little shadow. She gets up about the same time I do. <laughs> oh, you have a shadow all summer. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And you're not doing sewing camps this summer, right? No, I'm not. And How does I'm it feel? staying super busy. Oh, I'm kind of actually liking the fact that I'm not doing summer camps. Um, but I have, I have lots to do this yeah. summer. Yeah. So I am staying busy. occupied and like really enjoying every second of it. None of it, um, puts a dime into my bank account, but it's okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I think about all the creative work I do. I'm like, yeah, that, okay. Well, all right. But I love it. I love it. And, and speaking of today, even though I know this isn't going to air on this day, but today is the summer solstice and it's the day that, we kind of kick off our summer um, summer solstice recovery gals art exchange. So I've already seen a few trickling in this morning, which was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, the theme was wonder this time right, around. Right, it was wonder. And it seems like a lot of uh, participants were struggling with that word, yeah. which I kind of secretly liked. I, I kind of- <laughs> You're like, you're like Oz behind the great curtain, like, oh, good. They're struggling a wee bit to figure this out. Well, there's so many words that we've chosen in the past and not on purpose, but you could really interpret them almost literally like reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And there's a few other ones that come to mind, but uh, I like that this word really made um, a lot of, a lot of women sort of have to dig deep. Yep. Yeah, it was it was a, a little bit for me too. It was it didn't just pop into my mind what that was going to be or what I was going to make. So, I'm looking forward to it. So, if our listeners are interested, we'll probably I mean around the time that this is airing, um, going to share the next theme. So, the best way to kind of stay in the loop on that is to be part of our Unruffled Podcast Secret Facebook page. Um, you can friend up either Sandra or myself, and we can add you to that, and we'll be posting there. We also you could just send us a message on Facebook saying, please add me to the exchange um, Facebook page, which we can do that. It's a secret Facebook page as well. All the secret societies, all the secrets. Yeah. So in a couple of weeks, we'll let this exchange happen for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
we will uh, start collecting uh, names of people who want to participate in the fall exchange. I've in and it, this just reminded me. I had a, uh, someone reach out from that I know from the Instagram community who wants to participate who isn't on Facebook. And so I, I just wanted to mention that you can participate even if you're not on Facebook. Oh, um, how would we do that? Well, I guess we'll just. Um, you know, we'll just loop her into the list when we make partners and then they can, they can get to know each other perhaps on Instagram. So. Okay, good. Okay. It can happen. There's a way. Oh, good. Well, um, yeah, because we want people to be able to participate and and be part of the community because it's, it's so therapeutic, Sandra. It's so helpful. Um, I I didn't think I was going to have time for it. I even kind of reached out to you like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do this exchange and, um, I'm really glad that I did. And it, and it wasn't because of my partner. It was because of me just freaking out because of the end of the school year and, and you know, all the things I had um, juggled in the air, um, which is no different than any other woman, by the way. I am no different. Everybody has stuff they're juggling and figuring out. So um, you helped get me on track with that. And I'm super grateful because um, I really enjoyed it. Um, so what else? Is there anything you want to share or promote or... No, absolutely not. We're good. We're just going to chat. Everyone's enjoying your summer. (laughs) Good. Well, we we had um, started off saying that this was our Summer Sober Sisters series or Sober Sisters Summer Series. I don't know. I'm getting it all confused. I am too. I just the words. I I like it. (laughs) But basically, these are like our girlfriends that we're having on. We're having girlfriend chats. And it's not that different than what we were doing before. Um but I do feel like it's been nice to, to, I think what I'm trying to hope, God, I can't even talk this morning. What I'm hoping to show and, and tell our listeners is that this is kind of how we found connection with some of these ladies. We'll be telling the story of like how we met. Um, and, and then the bigger part is that how they've sort of created a life that they are loving right now in sobriety, kind of to be solutions and kind of hopeful um, is what I'm hoping that these episodes can can translate. It's what I'm getting out of them. Um, so, you want to introduce our first guest? Our, or not our first yeah. <laughs> Our guest today. Yeah. Our guest today is uh, Mickey Romo. And I'll um, tell you a little bit about our friend Mickey. She is wholehearted and sober 47-year-old North California, Northern California woman. She is a wife and the mother of two boys, a pediatric occupational therapist, and, a, and an aspiring yoga teacher. Um, through recovery, Mickey has discovered authenticity and presence, boundaries, and possibilities. She is open and excited to connect with other women through the shared experience of recovery and the practical aspects of maintaining sobriety in daily life. The definition of sobriety that resonates with her is the unraveling of destruction and the opportunity to choose with insight and clarity how you will create every single moment. Oh, I like that. Well, welcome to the show, Mickey. Hi, Mickey. Good morning. How are you today? I am good. I'm feeling a little bit like my little buddy is, um, he's away for two weeks of uh, summer camp. So listening to Sandra talk about her little buddy every morning, mine is missing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, she she she'll have a sleepaway camp, but it'll be at the end of the summer, which will probably be good timing because that at that point, yeah, be, we'll ready. both be ready for a break. <laughs> oh. um, go ahead, Mickey. I was going to say, my teenager and my husband are asleep, hmm. and um, yeah, it, I thought that I was going to feel uh, so free with him away at sleepaway camp, but. He's like my little barnacle. I feel like a piece of me is kind of missing. Aww. Is this his first time going away? Yes. Oh, that is a big deal. That is a big deal. <laughs> well, that's a rite of passage, right? For him and for you. Yes. Yeah. My, son's, my son's going away for nine or ten days to Yosemite. Um where I'll have zero contact. So I usually have a, a, like a texting contact. So this will be different that there won't be, there won't be any. Um, It's interesting about sleepaway camp. There is, they, they called and let us know he was okay. And they are sending pictures, but we have no contact with him unless he writes letters. That's how, that's how um, my daughter's sleepaway camp was. She went for the first time last summer and that's, that's how it was too. We could do some online communicating but it wasn't even direct like you could write a note that they could read at some point but um yeah you know I think that that's I guess they're just trying to build independence well that's why we sent them away right exactly (laughs) I guess (laughs) I don't know I have some other motives lately so (laughs) yeah independent sure that's yeah that's true that is true um so I was going to, I thought we'd start, I know that sometimes talking on a podcast can, can be a little nerve wracking, but, um, I thought that maybe you could tell our listeners, kind of introduce, um, them to you through how we met, how, um, how we came to know each other. Sure. So I, um, have been a part of the home podcast group and I found, um, Holly Whitaker early on in her hip sobriety and I subscribed to the mantra project. Oh. Um, yeah. I, do you know this part? Um, I, I, so, remind me. <laughs> so I subscribed to the mantra project and I loved it. And I, um, I'm a researcher. I love Google and <laughs> I Googled Tammy and found out that she lives in my County and so I sort, of, I sort of online stalked you, Tammy. I don't nice. know if you know that part. Well, I, and, I kind of guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> from our shares, from our chats. Yes, yes. So, um, and then realizing that you only lived about, you know, 15, 20 minutes away. And then, um, you know, it's such a small world. We connected at my yoga studio. Jolene Park came and did her craving brain talk um, at my yoga studio. And we actually met in real life. And that's, I think, when I confessed to you that I know you and I've been stalking you. And I'd love to actually have lunch (laughs) with you in real life. (laughs) Okay. I thought you were kidding when you said you were stalking me then. See, but now I know for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so easy now to stalk people though yeah just yeah it's not that creepy really no and she's not creepy so yeah that's i'm not fine. creepy Mm-mm. i just need to know yeah <laughs> yeah well that you were so nice to come up and chat because um you know going to these workshops and going to these things and then um It's a little like I was nervous to meet Jolene, right? It was the first time I ever met her. I'd only kind of chatted with her online, but we, you know, we, um, I can't remember if we had her on the pod before or after. 
I can't remember the timeline. Um, before. Before. Yeah, before. But think, it was yeah. really, it was really nice um, to connect. And you had um, a friend with you um, that I enjoyed chatting with as well. It was, it was just lovely. It was a really nice, in real life, there's nothing like it. it can, it's a little weird at first, but then it like quickly dissipates. The only part that's weird is because I'm such a researcher. For me, I feel like I know so much more about the other people uh, and yeah. they don't know anything about me. <laughs> and the funny thing about Jolene is she happens to be, was college roommates with my, one of my yoga teachers at the studio. Oh, so funny. that's why she came to that yoga studio. So it's just connection to me is, is really everything. And, and when I take a step back and look at that, we're all really connected yeah. what are the chances of that happening you know yeah. right right I know it is it's 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 you can call it serendipity but yeah there's like a web when you step back right. and look at it often yeah right yeah well we then we dated we had lunch and um and then we've been doing um the tea and toolboxes um meetings that we've been doing once a month which have been really nice so great so great to connect in that way um and in a um, smaller setting with women all of the same age yeah. around, you know, it's pretty special. But you were ready for it, like, because you were like, you were like, let's have lunch. Let's do this. Um, when, you, uh, when are we having a meetup is what I think you asked me. Like, yeah. when are we doing this for Sonoma County? When are you like, you were like, let's let's get things going here. <laughs> I um, it's funny. It'll be in my story. But I connection and people I, in your podcast, you talk a lot about creativity and how people express themselves. But people are my creativity. People are really my jam. And mm. um, that's how my creativity shows up. And I, I, I truly love connecting people in the different parts of my life. It's it's part of my um, I think it's part of the reason why I stay sober. Mm, it's your superpower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um and then I know you came to my opening a couple of weeks ago and you arrived just looking glowing and mm -hmm. radiant and your hair was up and you had this beautiful outfit on. I did. And so I don't quite know Sandra in real life yet. I hope to at some point, but <laughs> I um, ordered, oh, I've just been well sort of online stock you as well Sandra as you um as you post your different kimonos and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting till one of uh, them spoke to me with the colors and you posted that Justina kimono and I snatched it right up and um I got it just in time to wear to uh Tammy's opening oh yay perfect so that, yeah that she could appreciate it and she of course she noticed it right away which was my intention <laughs> <laughs> she just walked in like like with this golden bubble around her like i have arrived and you looked beautiful mickey and you brought your family and it was so, it was special. so nice yeah, yeah. Um, my, my husband i said hey do you want to uh, take a ride up the way a little bit and go see my friend's art opening and he was really down so that was Aww. um kind of a nice a uh, little trip for us. Oh. Well, good. Well, thank you for saying. And the reason, like, again, that we're sharing this is that we're wanting to, um, I, my, my intention is that I want people to kind of know that they can do it too. You know, you can reach out to someone. You can, uh, when you say stalk, it's like, we're all doing it. We're on social media. We're, we're gravitating sure. towards the people that resonate with us. Right. 
That's my sense of humor. I mean, I'm really <laughs> yeah, I'm teasing you too. <laughs> I'm guilty of being a stalker as well. One could call it. So. <laughs> um, so, so then I wanted to just before we kind of dive into your story, I um, I just wanted to chat with you a little bit. I know you and I chatted yesterday, and you were a little bit nervous to come on the show. Is that accurate to say? Yes. Well, yeah. disclosure, disclosure is that I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I have fear about this. This will be um, my first time really being out there in the world naked with my recovery and my sobriety. I've, um, I've kept things separate um, with my recovery and I recover quietly and maybe anonymously is a better way to put it. And mm-hmm. um, this is sort of my coming out coming out in a different arena, I guess, or like the whole thing, the whole enchilada. (laughs) So in your, just so, so I'm hoping by just chatting about this a little bit, it can kind of deflate that feeling for you, although I know it's really big, but what, why did you decide to come on here and share um, your story? Like what helped you get over that, you know, that fear? I think what helped me the most is that I'm tired of the shame. Hmm. Um, I'm super proud of the life that I've created. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. Hmm. Um, And it is a huge part of who I am. And it's really important to share. And um, uh, what I found in my sobriety is the ability to tell the truth. And, um, And this is the truth of me. Hmm. So that's why it's really beautiful when you get to start like kind of living in alignment and having the integrity and yeah, keeping, you know, saying who you really are and feeling integrated, right? There's something right. about that. Cause I'm a compartmentalizer too. It's easier to compartmentalize things for me. Um, but yeah, when you, it's, it's just that feeling of integration. Like I'm the same person over here as I am over here. It just feels really good. Yeah. It, it feels, it feels free is what yeah. it feels like. Yeah. Well, you don't have to keep anything straight. And I don't know about you, but in my old life, all the half truths and stories mm-hmm. and keeping things straight, like that was a lot of work, like a lot of mental energy. And so, the yeah, feeling, the feeling in my stomach when you bring that up, it just takes me right back there to mm-hmm. right having to keep track and never knowing what I told who. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being brave enough to do this. And I hope this feels like a safe place for you to land. Um, I know that from from getting to know you, Mickey, you are you are a really, really beautiful, honest soul. And this path that you're on, I think is going to inspire many. And so I really appreciate you, um, you know, thinking and digging deep about this and, and calling me up and talking about it too. And that's what we learn how to do in recovery too, right? <laughs> to right. tell the truth, but ask for help, or maybe just be really transparent. I wasn't transparent before, you know, there was no transparency with me um, before well, I quit drinking. Part of it for me is being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, very good at that. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to know that I've got it. Yeah. And um, 
but it's through that vulnerability that I really, what I just talked about earlier is be able to connect with people. When you always have it, you're just this rock on your own. I am like a rock and that uh, doesn't really invite connection. Mm. So, well, you're taking a very big step today to invite connection. So good for you. Good for you. Um, so we usually lead the interviews with, um, you know, the story of, of how you came to the decision to, to quit drinking and, 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 and what that looked like for you. Do you mind jumping in there and, and sharing that with our listeners? Um, sure. A little bit about my history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. So I come from a very big Italian family and, um, Drinking was really part of our culture growing up. My mom is first generation here, and so they brought a lot of traditions, I guess. I didn't really know that this was so different until I decided to remove alcohol from my life. But um, as little kids, we were allowed to drink wine with ice cubes in it. That was just part of our life. And um, I have pictures of myself drinking high cha- uh, drinking champagne in my high chair. <laughs> So it's just woven in a lot. And um, what I learned at a very young age, I had some pretty early trauma in my life as well. And I learned how to use substances to, to go away, to not feel what I was feeling and to leave the premises. Um, and that worked. Tammy, you shared a book with me um, recently by Pixie Lighthorse called um, Boundaries and Protection. And she speaks to it really well about just not wanting to be in the here and now and the phenomenon of craving. And I think for me, I just learned how to how to use substances to change the way I was feeling and to go away. Um because it was too much. So, yeah, you you, need the opportunity to check out, right? Just to kind of check out. I learned, I mean, there's checking out and then there's dissociation. And so I think alcohol or people or food was just the fast track to that dissociation. So that's kind of where it all started. And then, excuse me, um, what also that looked like is I gained, I gained a lot of weight. Um, I think that weight became my armor all through growing up. We all, we all have a lot, um, in our childhoods. And, um, for me, I, I wanted to pat, put some padding against me in the world and, um, what ended up is that I was morbidly obese. Um, fat, I'm fast tracking ahead here um, to about seven years ago. And um, I decided uh, after meeting with my doctors and having type two diabetes, being morbidly obese, high blood pressure, sleep apnea, all the things that come along with um, being that heavy, I had gastric bypass surgery and it worked. It was amazing. 
I lost over close to about 180 pounds and mm. um, my diabetes resolved, my sleep apnea resolved. I have like low blood pressure now. All of these health issues resolved. I became physically active, um, so much more energy. It was, it was really amazing. It was uh, the right decision for me. Um, but then, in what happened, I think with part of it is that I wasn't able to eat as much anymore. And then drinking became a way to numb out. And before I had gastric bypass surgery, I, you have to, I had to take classes, lots of classes, and learn about the ins and outs of what was going to happen. And, and they discussed it. They discussed that um, I think it's something like over 50% of people who have gastric bypass surgery can end up having an alcohol use disorder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to I was going to um, acknowledge that. Um, yeah, that's a real thing. Uh, I wish that I could give specifics on where I've heard um, podcast interviews with various women, but it was probably on the bubble hour because mm. um, it was a while ago. And so this is anecdotal, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very real uh, phenomenon. It is um, well documented in the Journal of American Medicine and um, through my health insurance company. Mm-hmm. They recommended that after gastric bypass surgery that you do not drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so that was a, a suggestion that, that you said like, no? So I didn't. I didn't drink oh, you for didn't. Okay. about, I did not. Nope. I didn't drink leading up to it and I didn't drink um for probably six months after my surgery uh and then christmas happened and um it's funny i had been telling myself well i will have a drink at christmas and see how it feels well the other interesting thing about gastric bypass surgery that happens is and i don't really quite know the anatomy of it but your stomach changes and the alcohol hits you very fast and it, the feeling goes away very fast. So what happened to me was that, and I, and I knew this because they told me, but I would get the, the numbing sensation super fast and then it would go away. And so that would lead me to, to drink a lot more. And mm-hmm. so I, I can't quite say whether or not I would have decided to remove alcohol from my life without the gastric bypass surgery. Because as I mentioned before, I have a history of using things and substances, but I think what the gastric bypass surgery afforded was sort of this fast track to removing it. It was a very quick, um, well, pretty quick descent into, you know, alcohol use disorder for sure. Um, so that, I honestly, oh, go ahead. No, so that was six months in is when you decided to dabble in it again. Right. And then did you continue drinking until you quit? 
Is that where you're going? Am I jumping it here? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I continued. I decided to dabble and then it was just, it just hit so fast. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a quick, fast track to that dissociation that I was speaking about earlier. Yeah. Now, did it um, amplify, I, did it amplify like the phenomenon of craving that you mentioned earlier? Yes, because yeah. it dumps out of your system faster. Mm-hmm. Even So the feeling goes away, but your blood alcohol is still the same. Right, right. So it feels like the feeling's going away, but it's not. And then um, what happens is your body can't keep or my body couldn't keep up anymore and that is how the the blackout drinking happened yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah that's that reminds me of when I would drink after taking um Adderall or something like that same same kind of thing it was like I could drink more or something um I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel it, um, after a while, but yeah, you're drinking, you know, your blood alcohol level is probably crazy high. Right. Yeah. And I will say that if I'm being completely honest with myself, I liked the difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It happened pretty fast. Right. I liked it. I can just keep going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course you like it. Yeah. Right. Until I couldn't. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. No, just I was thinking, so so this is leading you, so this is going on for a while. This is going on for some years that you're feeling like this. Had you been a blackout drinker before or was this new? Um, I would say I had periods where I did with early on with my drinking mm-hmm. when I was younger. But, you know, I got married I met my husband when I was 20 and we got married when I was 28. And so most of my drinking happened with him mm-hmm. and I was in a safe place and then I had kids. So I, I would say that in that period of my life, I used food more mm-hmm. as, as the numbing out. But yeah, when I was in high school, I had, I was kind of the girl that needed to be taken care of, that needed to have a babysitter when I drank or people would lose me. Right. <laughs> I know this girl. Yeah. <laughs> I think about that girl now and I'm like, God, I'd be so annoyed with myself right now if I had right. to go take care of me. Like being a sober person, I don't, right. it's not very um, empathetic, but I'm like, I was so high maintenance, you know? Very high maintenance. And that was my young. When I, after I had kids, I just honestly became, I mean, I spoke a little bit earlier about um, being the person that um, needs to to know it all and have it all taken care of. And um, with kids, that can become a lot with kids and a family. And I, um, I work for myself. And the ability to disassociate from that, from those pressures, those real pressures, because I couldn't let it go. I had to just be able to do it all, have it all. I don't need help. I've got this. Oh, it was so much. Yeah. You can just let it go when you have a drink, right? I mean. Kind of forced to let it go, yes. Yeah. So what is your um, sobriety date? What led you to, what led you to like that 
maybe I'm jumping here, but what led you to really decide to quit? You know, uh, it's just when I look back, I don't know what the one little thing was that day. But what I do know is for a person who likes to um, have it all together and not need any help, alcohol became necessary in my life. And my life got so much smaller, just such a narrow focus. Um, My family life was being sacrificed. My husband and I were having difficulties. Uh, He was asking me to slow down, and I I honestly just couldn't. Um, And I also couldn't be relied on to be a wife and a mother. I, I worked. The thing that's interesting to me is nothing has changed. Like if you look at my life from the outside, nothing has changed. I I have the job. I'm still married. I live in the same house. I have two kids. um, But everything has changed inside. But um, I had a couple of really hard months. In October of 2015, um, we had the Valley Fire up here um, in Lake County. And, um, that really affected us as I have, uh, my grandparents lived there. Um, my grandfather got really ill and I just descended into this dark place. And I woke up on the morning of December 30th of all mornings. And I just reached out in spite of myself. Uh, that's what I do. And I called a friend, uh, a friend who doesn't happen to be sober, but a really good friend. And I just said, I need some help. I think I have a problem. And she happened to live two blocks over. So she came right over to my house and said, what can I do to help? She didn't say, as I had heard before, oh, you're fine. It's not that bad. What are you talking about? She said, what can I do to help? I've been worried about you. And um, so that day I came up with a plan. She took all the alcohol out of my house for me. And I reached out and called a therapist. And it's December 30th, you know, holiday time. Right. And, um, <laughs> and this therapist answered the phone, which is just, again, serendipity or what have you. Um, and she could see me in two days, Hmm. January 2nd. And I held on. That's what happened. Um, and I started seeing the therapist for a couple weeks and she said, I think that, um, a 12 step program would really be something that you might be interested in. And um, I had had some experience with 12-step program as a student, not as a participant. And so I had an idea in my head about what that looked like. But because I was so raw and so scared, I decided that I would go for her. I would go to one meeting for my therapist. And um, do you know that meeting changed my life? And the connection that I found there, it was, it was just 
I, I don't know um, really how to describe it. I felt such a part of there. I actually knew people from my community. It was so welcoming and felt so right. And it's it's been a springboard for my recovery. Mm-hmm. That um, being brave enough to go to your first meeting, right? Like that's a whole thing. That's right. a whole thing, Mickey. And um, so, so, but you did it anyway. Like you thought you were doing it for your therapist. Well, I was. Yeah. I was doing it for her. I knew. Of course, I'm telling you what a strong rock I am. Oh, I know. I know. I'm not going to. Okay, I'll go and I'll check it off the list. Right. And I cried the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was. It's kind of funny. I was sitting next to a friend's boyfriend who I didn't know um, was recovering. And I'm just crying this whole time. And he finally looks over at me and taps me and says, is this your first meeting? (laughs) And I said, yes, yes, it is. He said, good for you, you know? Yeah. And that is, that has been my experience with 12 step is good for you. We're so happy you're here. Yeah. Oh, well, I know this is, I can't make a blanket statement about this, obviously about anything, but for me, it's interesting because the, the, the feeling of being in control or the list making or the, I got this, everything that you've shared, Mickey resonates with me because that's me too. Um, there's something about, even though I know it's not linear, it's circular, the steps, you know, but it appears linear at first that you're going to take this step and you have to go work them one through 12. Um, but that really spoke to my personality type. And the person that recommended that I go knew me really well. And, and she didn't say that that's why she thought it would work for me. But she just said, I think, I think knowing you, I think that this way will speak to you. And uh, did you ever take the test online to see if you were? Oh, my gosh. I can't even, I didn't even talk about how many tests. If I look back at my Kindle at the time, I was reading Drinking a Love Story. Mm -hmm. I was reading sober mom I was reading drunk mom you know I was definitely yes all of the boxes were checked (laughs) yeah well I like to lie on those tests is what I like to do to prove that I wasn't um I didn't have a problem I guess you know and um well, I'm yeah, so I, I was in such denial that I never took a single one of those tests. <laughs> oh. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Uh, so have you uh, do you sh- have you found other women with your same story? I'm curious about that. I have because not. So you haven't. Yeah. So this is interesting, like the 12 steps just clicked with me. I mean, I find it like a blueprint for life. As mm-hmm. you mentioned, Tammy, it just, yeah, it just fits any problem, any struggle I have, I can apply this blueprint and it works for me. Um, the interesting thing about the gastric bypass surgery is I felt like because I had that change in my body, I didn't really qualify to be a real person in 12-step recovery. So I, I don't really share it with other people in my meetings. Oh. Um, I talk about it with my women, my, all my friends know, all the people that I recover with separately. 
I don't know if that makes sense. So I have like outside the rooms or outside the rooms. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I think often, um, you know, uh, well, for instance, we were talking, you guys mentioned Jolene Park and she talks about that gray area drinking and she's kind of, you know, forming a whole community around that. And I think that that is something that keeps women out of the rooms in particular is because they don't feel like their problem is big enough to qualify like they weren't as bad of a drunk or you know they didn't have a real they weren't a, they aren't a real alcohol right yeah uh, those are the words I would hear someone saying in in my head that I didn't quite qualify that I wasn't right. and that's like there's some rules or something yeah, some yeah. <laughs> that, you know you don't really need to be here right but there, know, but there are no rules is the thing but it's not, like the rules right. in our head in our head yeah yeah Right. So this is the first, I mean, I share it, like I said, in my small women's groups and my friends, but this is also kind of a big coming out. Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what's, what's the beautiful thing I think about recovery and when I hear people share in or outside the rooms, it's like, it's your story and, and owning it and maybe not even owning it is the word, um, sharing it, just sharing it with other women. You were helping someone. Um, you're, you're, you're telling the truth on yourself, right? Of your life. Right. This, this is your story, Mickey. Like no one has your story. Right. You know, they might have similarities. They might connect with it. Um, but it is yours. And like, you don't have to keep it straight, right? You don't have to remember anything because it's just nope. the truth. Right. Yeah. Well, I hope that feels good to share that and that. Oh, it does. I just feel like too, um, the choice, like, I, I would not ever change having the gastric bypass surgery either. either. Mm-hmm. I mean, the effect that that has had on my life and the positive is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm talking real close to either, you know, lifelong health issues or an early grave. Yeah. And... And I wouldn't change that. And so I had to sacrifice alcohol. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. easy to say now. But it wasn't right. serving you. It wasn't serving you in any way. And who knows, you know, it's like the sliding door thing. If you, you know, who knows what your relationship would be to alcohol eventually, you know, even if you had not had the gastric bypass. Totally. That's what I was trying to allude to before. I think it, I mean... I like to think that it was just a fast track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It was just a fast track that was going to be an eventual decision no matter what. Yeah. And thank God. Thank God I got there earlier. I've noticed um, from from the times that we've gotten together, Mickey, and you were like a student of your mm. recovery. I admire the way you kind of tackle it. Um um, with your notes and the things that you listen to and the podcasts and the books and the, I mean, you're in it. You're like, you are, you're in it. And that's beautiful to see because it's, it's a nice, um, it's to see how much joy it brings you too. It's not like you're slogging through, like I have to do this and not uh, at all. Yeah. And I think that's also part of why it works to me. Oh my gosh. We are the luckiest, as we say, because there's mm-hmm. so much information out there online and there's so many different ways to recover. Mm-hmm. So if 12-step program isn't for you, 
I like to blend it all together. And I mentioned before being a researcher. I'm not a researcher by trade, but I like to think of myself as a researcher. And I just, I just love it. I love learning all the different ways that people do it, all the different ways just from a, from a neurochemical point, why our brain craves what it craves and how we can change habits from a, from a neurochemical way, from a behavioral way. It's just so fascinating and interesting to me. And I get to see it and do it in my life. Yeah. Well, you, and you worked with Jolene Park, right? Uh, no, we, uh, well, we have worked together because she is a friend of my yoga oh, teacher. Oh, that's right. So, that's right. Yeah. So we, yeah. So you know her. Social- I know her and I And she's super generous with oh, yes. time and information. She is a she is a wealth volume of information. Yeah. And it it just resonates with me. It mm-hmm. makes so much sense. Right. Well to have um, to have something that's black and white, right? When we're kind of grasping and trying to figure out for for decades for me what, what what's going wrong here? Like everything is so fuzzy. Um, and not just from being hungover, but I mean, like, it's just like, I could never hang on to something and having research or having someone like Jolene, like tell you black and white, this is what your brain is doing. And here's why it just felt like the lights were turned on. I'm like, okay, now I can see, um, now I can see why, why that was happening to me or why I was feeling that way. Why I do that. Um, there's a person, Gretchen Rubin, who talks about the four tendencies Mm-hmm. And have you heard about those personality mm-hmm. types? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I happen to be a questioner. Oh. Right. I was thinking about that. Interesting. I was about her four tendencies as you were, um, were describing how you liked to, yeah, research. and. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Once I know, once I know why, and also a little bit of an upholder because I like to I like to get the gold star, but, um, but if I know the reason why I'm doing that and, or why I needed it for whatever reason, it just makes it easier to remove it or to be aware of it so that I can change it if I want to. It gives you power and control, right? Over your life. Right. To have that information. Yeah. So that we're not just grasping at things. Right. And also permission and freedom to, to let things go too. Like, wow, that's a human condition. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's not just me. Right. Yeah. That's how, our, that's how our brains work. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. Today, we have produced over a year's worth of content and have over a quarter million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing, you can be a patron of this show for as much as you'd like, even if it's just a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash The Unruffled Podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. So as you're doing all this research and you're doing these things, I mean, I think it probably dovetails into this, but so what what started lighting you up again when you got sober? Like, what was your path? Um, you've shared that you've gone to 12 steps uh, meetings, but how did, how did you dive in? And like, how did you start filling up that void that, um, that alcohol once occupied or food for you? Like, how did you start 
kind of putting things in your container again? One thing that I had had since the gastric bypass surgery was physical activity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that became really important, even like more important for me to find ways to move my body so that I could stay in my body and not leave when things became uncomfortable because that's what alcohol was doing for me. Mm -hmm. So I needed to replace that with something else. Um, And so yoga has become extremely important to me for that, to find this, um, I call it restful awareness in my body um, instead of coming from a place of reactivity. So I like that restful awareness. Yes. I'm writing that down. (laughs) I didn't make it up. (laughs) It's all right. We just keep sharing it, right? We just keep sharing it. No, well, because reactivity is so, that's how I responded when I was drinking. So what is it? I've been lately doing little mantras of like, respond, don't react. You know, responding is different. Um, A restful awareness is different than just reacting to something. It's it's kind of a pause, right? You have to take a pause if you're going to do that. Right. Yeah. I would say early on in my recovery, and these things may be silly, but um, I have a really strong friend group. Um, and they still drink. Alcohol isn't a problem for them. Um, they're my lovely friends. And I will say, um, people have shared on your podcast how alcohol, um, removing alcohol from their life, they had to change their friend group. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel so fortunate that that was not the case with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to change our activities. So instead of having girls' nights out, we'd go for hikes at the beach. Um, we would have shopping dates or tea dates and they were just so lovely and supportive that that's what we do. And now I'm able to be now. So I will be three years sober in December Hmm. and now I'm able to go on girls weekends. I'm able to have girls nights. Um, in the evening times was really hard for me after the kids went to bed and all the things were done for the day. Um, that's when I would want to drink. So we have some stores in our town that stay open till 11 o'clock at night. And I would go wander around those stores and just remove myself from the area where, where I might drink. Interesting. Yeah. You're like, I got to get out of here. I can't physically be right here. Yeah. It's habit. You know, it's Mm -hmm. habit. And so if you either change the environment, change yourself, change what you're doing, for a long enough time, I broke the habit. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of habit involved in my drinking, especially like around, you know, cooking dinner and just those, it was like a, a muscle memory that I had to retrain my muscles to do something different. Right. And then also um, speaking out loud about this to my husband. And telling him, here's what's happening, I need help, which involves being vulnerable. And um, that was tricky at first, and now it's not. Mm, I see. I'm sure pleased that you no longer have to struggle with alcohol or with with drinking or eating. Yeah, our life is much different. Um, He doesn't have to worry about me at parties anymore. Yeah. Um, 
he is, yeah, it's, it's very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our life became so small. I mean, he was getting to the point where he didn't want to go out with me. Yeah. You know, cause I couldn't be relied upon. I never knew what was going to happen. Sometimes it could be fine. Sometimes it was not fine. Yeah. I have a weird question, or it's not weird, but how, how was your hangovers? Were they different than before? Mm, my goodness. Um, crushing. Oh, yeah. Crushing. crushing. And it got to the point where, you know, maybe only two glasses of wine would be, I would feel the same way as if I drank more. They were incapacitating. Mm. I think the desire to not feel that way anymore was a big reason from a person. So once, um, after I had the surgery, I became so into exercise because I could. So, um, I think you talked about this in a previous, um, podcast too. I started doing triathlons and I would think that uh, the training would help me not drink as much because I was uh, being held accountable to show up with people to do these training rides and swims. And let me tell you how that feels when you're hungover is just inc- like shattered, shattered and not safe. Um, and to not feel that way anymore <laughs> is a very big motivation. Yeah, because you're you're doing it. <laughs> I'm not sure why I was doing it, but you're doing right? it. You're not at full capacity to participate, right? <clears throat> um, physically. And then mentally, there's so much noise. Like there's no Zen to be found because you can't turn off this this tape in your head telling for me it was telling me what a piece of shit I was and why do you keep doing this and you know better and I thought you weren't going to do this I mean it was just negative 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 and um I would leave leave there feeling like glad that I did it like that proved something but um I think what it was proving is that I had a problem with alcohol (laughs) um but heck I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna admit that no, in proving, proving to myself that I could do it, proving to others that I could do it, but being in a state of panic because, you know, you start in the water and you're racing people. I mean, not really. I had no qualms that I was going to win, but the state of panic that I was in just from being a tri- in a triathlon and then being hung over just from a biochemical standpoint, it was really awful. <laughs> And so right now I'm retired from triathlons. <laughs> I oh. only do what feels good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying I'll never go back to it, but right now um, I'm, on, I'm on a little hiatus. Well, tell me, tell me what your yoga practice, like your, so your teacher training and like, how was that? Was yes. that, is that a big part of your recovery? Like doing, cause that's yes. a lot of work. Yes, it was, uh, gosh, from um, October to March. It was a seven, I guess that's about seven month program and one weekend a month teaching every week. And um, it has been 
such a huge part of my recovery and just who I am as a person in the world outside of being a mom, outside of being an OT. I really did that teacher training for me. And I can't really say there's been a lot of things in my life that I've done just for me. And so practicing yoga and teaching yoga is a place where I get to be creative um, through connection and through the offerings. It, um, it really lights me up. When, um, when you Such did your a good oh, sorry. thing to find something that lights you up. Oh, I was just going to say, it's just, I, I love it. I love when I hear anyone, any woman in, in recovery that's found something that lights them up. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I talked about yoga as it's a spiritual experience for me. Sometimes it's just exercise. Sometimes it's a social experience, but it can be all of the things and it's those things on different days but it, it serves a lot of purposes for me. Natalie talked about the yamas and the niyamas and how they kind of synced up with the 12 steps when she did that training with Nikki Myers. Do you find right. that when you were doing your work, when you were doing your training, did it make sense to you because yes. you've been working and the 12 steps? It made sense to me with the 12 steps and it makes sense to me from a Buddhist perspective in that, all of these things, the 12 steps and the yamas and the niyamis, niyamas is that I want to be present. I want to be fully present to experience my life. I don't want to go, oh, I'm getting a little overwhelmed again. It's hmm, okay. <laughs> I don't want to go away. I don't want to leave. I want to be here. I want to experience this fully. And the 12 steps and yoga both really align and help me to do that in a way that feels true. Mm-hmm. And that you found it like, this is the interesting thing. Everyone um, that, that we meet, right? Every woman is finding their own way. And so right. that's what I find really inspiring about talking to everyone that we have on the show. Like no one's doing it the exact same way. No one's path is the same. Um, but what I think that I'm finding that I'm that I gravitate towards or what the, the thing that is the same is that we're we're no longer faking it. It's right. like and maybe that's our age. I'm, I'm not sure because I know we have all, listeners from all different um, age brackets. But whatever I guess that age is that you finally come to that decision to like, I no longer want to be this version of myself. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. And that you want to be seen and heard. For me, I wanted to be seen and heard, but not just how I was. I was seen and heard in the past. I wanted to be accurately or as accurately seen as heard and heard as I could. And that only comes yeah. from telling the truth about yourself. It feels, um, it feels as if I'm being witnessed. Mm. You are. Right. And the the feeling I get in 12 step meaning of connecting and um, we call it being of service. And also in my yoga community, I bring that restful awareness that we talked about out into the world. And I feel that there's power in that. 
if I come from a state of restful awareness, most of the time, you know, I'm not perfect. But if I come from this state, then I, um, I'm sharing that part with the world. And I um, spreading these things out for the common good is very important to me. Um, the, the concept of right work is, is important to me. Like I, I like to feel like the work that I'm doing is making a difference, not for just the people that I'm working with, but also out in the world. So. And, and you worked all 12 steps with a sponsor, right? I have worked all 12 steps with one sponsor. Yeah. It was, oh my gosh, it was um, very hard and also incredibly rewarding. Yeah. And um, I have actually started working them again with another sponsor. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I. Okay. I think that you mentioned um, being a student, and um, I I do. I am a student of life, and I think that keeps me engaged. I I like to have. Uh, I feel like it also helps my sobriety to be busy with things not too busy. There's also that that happened in sobriety. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wanting to do do all of the things and just, well, and that can be another, I'm sorry. It can be another form of checking out too. Right. When you're just, when, you know, you're just staying busy, busy, busy running away from all. Yes. Just, Mm -hmm. but I think that was fear too. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have to stay so busy so I don't do this thing. Um, so finding the balance. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I was going to say, but, um, one thing that maybe I like, well, I'm going to ask you about it since we're talking right now, but I notice you keep journals and I'm a big journal keeper. Um, and so uh, the reason I'm asking this is cause I'm, I'm struggling cause I have so many different journals. And so I'm curious, do you keep like a master journal or do you have journals for different things? I know you keep notes on podcasts and different things that you're I, reading. How do you do it? I have one big journal. <clears throat> so the funny thing is I used to just be able to keep everything in my brain. And now that I'm 47, I'm not able to do that anymore. <laughs> right. But That's why I'm asking. How I need some, t- some tips. <laughs> I use this journal called the Inner Guide Journal. And it has everything in it it has um it goes by the week monday through friday but it also has the month in front it has goals that you're working on it has your spiritual practice there's a spot for everything but it's laid out week at a week um both weeks or as you open the book you have one whole week that you're looking at but there's places to write notes there's places to write goals there's places to write what's important, how you're feeling spiritually. And it just, it helps me to have it all in one place. What's it called again? It's called the inner guide, the inner guide. And it's really pretty too. I have the utmost respect for anyone who can just keep everything in one journal. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I have opposed to to my five different ones and then I'm oh and then goodness. I'm searching like where did I write that one thought mm-hmm. down that's the 
key to opening everything. <laughs> find it. <laughs> I'm looking at a cubby full of about, and I'm not exaggerating here. There's got to be at least 30 journals just kind of sitting in this cubby. And it feels overwhelming. Like, so I'm... I, the reason I'm asking is I was watching Mickey when she was at my house a couple of weeks ago. She just pulls out her one, you know, I didn't know it was her one, but I had a feeling it was her one journal. <laughs> and um, it reminded me, I listened to um, an old podcast with Meadow DeVore on Yoga Church. And she mm. talked about this one, I'm searching for it so I can hear it again because I want to hear about her system. But she, she had one journal for everything. And that so that when she went back to look at her notes from teaching a class that she knew she taught in October of whatever, all of the notes were there, all of the people that were there, all of the quotes, all of the whatever it was. And then when she went to go reteach that class, she could, you know, go right back to that because they were all in date order. And to my Virgo mind, this seemed like a really great idea, but I cannot seem to execute that for any reason. I have different journals for different things and I kind of like that, but something inside of me is saying like, I need to simplify things a bit because my brain is not able to locate, (laughs) like you said, Sandra, or find things like I used to. Mm -hmm. I I need to think of a new system, but yet I'm very resistant to a new system as well. So I tend to like to complicate things. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, there's a lot of things in this journal. So if you want it to be complicated, it can be, or you can just... (laughs) Because I, I have to keep track for work, you know, what, who I'm seeing when. So it's it's all there. Yeah. It's literally all there. And it, if I don't have something that I'm going to use, then what's the purpose? You know, I need to I need to have something that works for me and what I'm going to use. Well, I like the sound of it, Mickey. Okay. <laughs> I may I'm ask you if I could I... look at it. I might ask you if I could look at it again. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm so happy you live nearby, Mickey, and that we did meet at that workshop because um, you and um, your friend that was at the event as well um, are just like these little lights that I feel like I just have only barely turned on and gotten to know. So I'm looking forward to, to getting to know you better, too. And I it's kind I, of funny that friend that came, mm-hmm. I, I had this whole dialogue with her like, oh. Because you were sitting across the room from us at that at when Jolene's um, talk, mm-hmm. and I said, "That's Tammy. That's the one I've been telling you about. She lives close by. I'm going to go talk to her. Okay, I'm going in. I'm going in." <laughs> and we got to have really lovely mocktails at that event. Remember? I do. Because I'm not a real big mocktail person. I still can't get into it or. I don't know, but that day they had the the loveliest drinks and we got to sip them and, and, um, chat and it was really, I loved it. They did a great job. They did a great job with that event. And you're teaching at that studio. Yeah. Yes. I teach a community class right now. Um, once a, once a month, I have to share with my fellow yogis that graduated from the program. Otherwise I would love to teach that class every week, but right now I'm sharing. Um, do you want to say where that's at or do you want to keep that under wraps for privacy? Um, I think I would like to not say that where that's at. It's in my town and it's a, it's a lovely yoga studio and, um, 
such an amazing community there. And the thing about this class that's so wonderful too is it's a community-based class, so it only costs five dollars, mm-hmm. and um, all the money goes to the Redwood Food Bank here in our area. And then the people that teach the class are all the recent graduates. So we get practice through community. The community comes and gets a really good deal. And the greater community is benefited with money for food. Mm. I just, I love it. That's a beautiful (laughs) ripple effect. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm coming to that uh, yoga class this summer, so I will get more details from you later. But yeah, I think that's, that's great. And I would love to take a class from you. That would be, that would be lovely. Well, I'm starting to sub at some other gyms too, just to, to do it, to, you know, cause being a student is one thing where I find that I can, I can know all about it in my head, but actually doing it is the part that takes a little bit of courage and can be scary. So I'm trying just to get out there and teach wherever I can. Well, that that's a good practice, right? I mean, that's what we're doing with this podcast. This can be scary. The first, remember the first couple of times, Sandra? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for a long time, I think, you know, like it was a long time, but um, again, it's getting easier the more that you do it. So I'm sure that that's for you too, Mickey, like where you're going to step into that. We're like, this is, I am the teacher. This yes. is my role and, uh, and own it. Yes. Uh, well, I have no doubt that you won't own it because I, I see who you are. You're very determined and your story is very inspiring, Mickey. And I think it's really nice that you shared that today with our listeners and with us and trusted us to do that. It's a big step. Thank you. Hey, Mickey, I have a question. If there are some women that are going to listen to this and they have a story similar to yours, is there, are you open to, you know, email or, or. Yeah, I'm on Instagram too. Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Mickey K Romo. And you're welcome to put that. I think you guys put those in show notes or. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Mickey, just M-I-K-I Romo or mm-hmm. okay. it's M-I-K-I K Romo. Okay, Mickey K Romo. Got it. Great. Oh and yeah, and then if on the secret Facebook group, if people have questions, they can connect with you there. Is that all right for them to ask questions or Oh my gosh. I welcome it and okay. I love it. Okay. I I love those secret Facebook groups that we're <laughs> part of. I just it lights me up as well. Great. Yeah, it feels like a good place to ask questions and to feel, because um, it's vulnerable to ask it, but knowing that you're not asking it totally publicly, right? It's with people who get it, people who are very right. compassionate and kind. And and, really, and then it's a springboard for like meeting people in real life too. Yeah. You know? Just keeps blooming. Mm-hmm. Just keeps blooming. Um, so we're at the stage of the show where we kind of are winding down here and see that didn't go so bad, right, Mickey? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the part where we ask um, uh, you, you know, if you can share three items from your un- unruffled toolbox with our listeners that they might take and put into their own or, um, you know, get inspired by. And, and uh, do you have three things for them today? I do. I do have three things. Um, I think I alluded to the first one and we talked a lot about it, but it's, it's physical activity and it really just helps me stay in my body. So I do yoga, I take hikes, spin class, 
um, dissociation was such a part of my history that doing something that just gets me to be in my body and stay right here and right now helps me stay calm and organized and I, I want to say like really available in my recovery and um, I mentioned that I'm a little I'm retired from the triathlons right now I just try to focus on what feels good in my body instead of trying to prove something it's more about what feels good so that's the first one okay and uh, the second one is regular connection to others whether it be online in our secret Facebook groups in my 12-step meetings in our small women's groups and also, I mean, I mentioned earlier, my dear friends, my dear friends who still have alcohol in their lives and it's not a problem, they support me and and I support them in the things that they do. Um, my yoga community, my family. So, oh, and I see a therapist and I feel like that's part of connection. Yeah, that's a big, beautiful um, circle that you have around you there, Mickey, that you you know, actively engage in and that you're seeking. That's a beautiful tool. Yeah. And I, and it, I don't know it, there's something about that, that I am creative in those connections. That's where my creative creativity shows up. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like and I would say my last tool is a really structured morning routine. And so I wake up at five before everybody else. I make my pour over coffee and I sit at my kitchen table with fresh flowers and I do some meditation. I do some reading. I do tarot cards and prayers and writing. And I do that every morning. And um, we talked a little bit about the power of habit and for me, this structure just starts my day out in a way that puts me on a positive path. And, you know, it was really hard. I was not a morning person before at all. Mm. Um, so this change, again, I mentioned the yoga teacher training, the getting up at five in the morning is really something that's just for me. And um, it's been pretty incredible. Um, so, I, you know, if we just look at it from a really pragmatic place of replacing one habit with another, yeah, that's kind of what works for me. And it's not easy. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's super easy because it's not, but it works. And the rewards pay off. Right. Probably tenfold. Yeah. I love that that's one of your tools because there's so many women that I've heard over the years and like, you know, groups, secret Facebook groups and whatnot who are want to be a morning person so bad, but they've never been one and they, they don't think that it, it, it's available to them. But um, I love it that you shared that as a, as a tool because um, you're right. You can, you can, it can be a new thing. You can, you can, it can be a we new can thing. Change. You can become a morning person. <laughs> I am a morning person, much to my husband's dis- but I am such a morning person now Mm -hmm. and um it's just so different it's just so different 
Yeah, yeah, and and you're right. The rewards totally outweigh the the I don't know any sort of negativity around getting up early. Right, and it's funny. I I tend to be kind of a practical, pragmatic person. If X, then Y, and well, the research doesn't support that. But in my morning routine, I I get to explore all the what do we call it? All the things that are woo, mm-hmm. and. Oh my goodness. I I love the tarot cards. I just um they really have this way that I can express myself and think about things um that wasn't really available to me before. Mhm. It's permission. It's this permission like you said it's permission to give you time alone, right? Mm-hmm. You're carving it out. It's all for you. And then the permission to experiment with all this new stuff. It's been fun for me. I've been, it's helping me shift how I look at other things in the world. Um, and I'm being more open-minded. When I'm more open-minded to tarot, I'm more open-minded to other ideas and possibilities I'm finding. And, exactly. Um, yeah. And so it's the wild, the wild unknown tarot deck mm. that really speaks to me. And I think yeah. you guys... I think I actually saw it on one of your feeds initially. They're so beautiful. Aren't they beautiful? Yeah. They're beautiful. And just the the way that they use animals. And I like, instead of talking about kings and queens, they talk about mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, they're really accessible but you're right. They're just so beautiful. It's like, well, so, I, somebody else said this, but it's like a Google search for your subconscious, you know, and you just kind of land on a thought and it feels like it opens a portal to something that you may not have previously thought about. That's a beautiful well, way to put it. Yeah, it really is. And I will, I will tell you, because I'm open to it, they typically align to what, because I do it's, a card a day and they typically exactly. align. I know mine uncannily align. Um, Like it will be a thought that I will have immediately before I pull that card. And it's like, Oh, okay. Guess we're on the same page. (laughs) Today I pulled the three of pentacles, which is a card about teamwork. Uh I know that card. (laughs) Yep. Look at us. The three of pentacles right here. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Hmm. So I love that card. Actually, I pull that a lot or Sasha pulls it. Um, Natalie pulls it. And I had been pulling it while we were getting ready for the women's circle, kind of the months leading up. And it was like, oh. we would just keep texting each other. Three of pentacles came up again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Mickey, um, for taking time and for being brave to, to come on and, and share your story. And I know you're going to help another woman out there. I know you are. Oh, for sure. I know that your your story is um, specific, but it's it's common, and I think it's more common than than um, than we realize. So, yeah, I'm really I'm I'm so happy that you shared with us today. Thank you guys for helping me to share. Yeah. I don't. I would not obviously have done this. So. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we're glad you did. And we hope that people engage with you on our secret Facebook page. And so if we have any listeners out here that, there that are like, what in the heck is that? Just uh, send us a friend request on Facebook to Sandra Primo or Tammy Salas and ask to be added. And you can be in a community of women who are um, sober, sober curious and finding their way and supporting one another. It's really great. All right. Well, enjoy your beautiful day, Mickey. Thank you. Happy solstice. Happy solstice. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.